I keep hearing from other nonprofits how much government grant money is coming down the pipeline. Our organization has never applied for government grants, and we also don't want to lose out on what sounds like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity with COVID funding. Does it make sense to pursue these opportunities if we qualify? What should we be aware of going into it? That's a big question. Um, so I think we should get a guest expert in on this one. Absolutely. Right? I, on just as the short version, sort of the Andy version is like, yeah, sure. If if it makes sense for you, if that if there's a grant that's available in the space that you're working in, you can. There's a couple of ways to decide whether or not it's a smart idea for you to to go after that grant because once you go after it, you do need to spend the money. You have to have a plan to spend the money and you don't want to wreck everything. You don't want to come up with like do, you know, get a ton of money and then do a really bad job because then you kind of disqualify yourself from future grants because then the granting agency looks at your organization and goes, yeah, we gave them a million dollars last year and they totally ruined it. So we don't want to give them any more money. So yeah, there's definitely decisions to be made, but it sounds like something that someone else could tell better than us. Yeah. And I, I would just add to that. I mean, my fear with this funding is that I think if you chase it without really thinking about what it means for your growth and your sustainability, I worry about it because sometimes chasing the money so you can scale up for a year, but then having to completely you know, decrease if you don't, if this is a once in a lifetime funding opportunity, I mean, you're sort of setting your organization up for failure unless you're able to figure out how you add other revenue sources in the mix. And I feel like there's so many organizations that have basic infrastructure work to do within the sort of fundamental elements of running a good nonprofit that I worry about whether they're positioned for this. I want to take advantage of these opportunities and I want nonprofits to, and I'm, I'm concerned about it. So it will be great to have a guest expert um, talk about it. I also think one other thing is thinking about if some of these are reimbursement based, you have to ask yourself, do we like, how much can, do we have cash available, right? To, to lay out and then get reimbursed and maybe not reimbursed on time since that's everyone's horror story. So I think thinking through some of that's important. Nonprofit governance. Nonprofit answers. Nonprofit board. Nonprofit management. Nonprofit marketing. Nonprofit resources. The Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits presents Nonprofit Everything, the podcast about everything nonprofit, with your host, Andy Shurick and Stacy Wedding. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Everything. I'm Andy Schurecht. I'm here with my fantastic co-host, Stacey Wedding, and we're here to answer your nonprofit questions. So the way this podcasts work, if you're new to it, you send us your questions. You can email them to us uh, at nonprofiteverything.com. You can go to nonprofiteverything.com and click the questions button. You can get us on Twitter. You can get us on Facebook. You can tweet us, uh, text us, email us, call us at home, whatever you want to do to get those questions to us. We pick the questions that we like and can answer. And then the ones that we can't answer, we always bring in guest experts. And today we've got a guest expert on a question that was kind of tailor-made. So we're really excited to bring that to you today. Um, and with that, please just go ahead and enjoy it. Welcome back. Uh, today, I'm happy to say that we've got our guest expert here, Miles Dixon from Nevada Grant Lab. Welcome, Miles. Hey, good afternoon, Andy. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. So first, why don't you tell me a little bit about, about yourself and about what Nevada Grant Lab is? 
Sure. So uh, I guess I'll start with Nevada Grant Lab. Nevada Grant Lab just started about 16 months ago uh, in June of 2020, really in response to the COVID-19 crisis. And in particular, the amount of federal funding that we saw even then was starting to come to our state and our communities through the CARES Act. Um, and of course, since the CARES Act, we've seen the American Rescue Plan Act passed, ARPA, um, and so what we wanted to do was create essentially a support system, a back office organization that could help nonprofit organizations, local governments, public agencies and state agencies better identify, apply for and administer federal funds. And so while uh, we started in the middle of the crisis, really kind of against the backdrop of CARES, the real mission of Grant Lab is to reach into a decades-long challenge that our community and our state has in terms of accessing federal funds. You know, as you may know, Andy, and so many other folks in our state know, uh, Nevada has historically underperformed in getting what we think of as our fair share of federal funding. What that means is we pay into the federal system as Nevada taxpayers, our federal taxes every single year at an equal rate to folks all around the country but here in Nevada, we get less funding per person back in the form of grants than virtually every other state in the country. And that makes no sense for Nevada taxpayers. What it also doesn't make sense for are organizations, whether they're nonprofits or local governments or, uh, or state agencies, to have less funding than they should to pay for the incredibly important programs, projects, and services we know Nevadans really could benefit from. So we started Nevada Grant Lab to really provide technical assistance, capacity building, um, and hands-on uh, consulting work, really to help organizations across that journey of better identifying for, applying for, and administering federal grants that can benefit the that's, that's fantastic. So what, I mean, it's probably jumping kind of to the middle, but what, what do you think the cause is? I mean, Nevada, you know, whenever we come up with lists in Nevada, historically seems to be at the bottom of whatever list we're looking at. Um, why do you think we're so bad at getting federal grants? Well, so it's a chicken or egg problem in some ways. Um, so let me try to start right in the middle of those two and say that uh, I think one of the biggest challenges in Nevada has been that we really haven't kept pace with the very significant expansion of federal grant programs that's happened in the last 20 years. And so as a state, as, a lo as local governments, and even nonprofits, and certainly all of us working together, we haven't stood back and said, are the processes we've historically used in our state and our community and our organizations, are they consistent with what the feds are looking for? Are we processing funding? Are we managing funding? Are we, are we running programs and services that are consistent with what the feds are looking for? So I think in many ways, we just have outdated processes and probably in some cases, some outdated thinking um, about this. So one part of the challenge, a big part are just outdated approaches and processes and policies and thinking. The other part of that is that functionally, lots of our organizations, again, whether you're a state agency or a nonprofit, because we've never really participated in federal funding programs at the scale we should, we have less federal grant writers. We have less program analysts and program evaluators. We have less folks who are doing community needs assessment. So we have less positions, we have less infrastructure people, and we have less technology that, that, that so many of our peers around the country have 
because we haven't been using federal funding, which by the way, can be used to pay for the very infrastructure that we need to get more federal funding. So it really, for me, comes down to two big challenges. We, we have outdated policies and processes really at all levels in our state. And then we also just lack the, the personnel and technology infrastructure we need to effectively identify, apply for, and administer federal grants. Interesting. So, so you said the Grant Lab is working, said kind of three different things like technical assistance, capacity building, and consulting. So what, what specifically is Grant, you know, what, for, the, for our nonprofit listeners, like how, how can they access Grant Lab? What, what can Grant Lab do for them? That's a great question. Well, I'll say we're still figuring out every day we're new. And I think like so many other nonprofits, we try to seek advice and feedback from our partners, our funders, uh, and other leaders in the space all the time and try to get better and better at our work. But what we've spent the first 14 months of our, uh, our existence doing is really focused on technical assistance. So as a result of the CARES passage uh, in March of 2020, we knew there'd be a very significant amount of funding flowing to state and local governments. And at that time, still a largely um, not understood amount of funding that would flow through various federal agencies and ultimately trickle out into communities. And so what we started with was putting together a network of grant writers, both here in Nevada, as well as around the country, as well as great fiscal folks and Big props to you, Andy, for, for always being there to help us along the way. Um, amazing CPA firms like Haldsworth Russo and company and others really to, to put together a back office, a, a tag team, if you will, that could be deployed out to local governments, nonprofits, and, and state agencies to help them build applications. So the first 14 months of our work were really focused on just providing these teams of technical assistance to go work with organizations once either they or we help them identify a funding opportunity that they may be eligible and competitive for. We wrapped them in technical assistance support to be able to go and pursue those funding opportunities. Um, and so far, I'm really excited to share our work has resulted in a little over $24 million in new federal awards for our partners. That's fantastic. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. It's because there's some people that are listening that are like, hey, wait a minute, Andy, you're like pretending you don't know anything about this. And, and I do. Like, so I've actually been teaching a couple of the classes for Grant Lab. So, um, so I know they're good, right? <laughs> the quality's there. I know that for sure. So um, what, how do, like for, so for nonprofits, is this something that they're going to need to bake into their budget to participate with you? Or is it something that they're providing for free or? Yeah, so it's a great question. Um, not at this time. Uh, as of now, what we've been fortunate to be able to do is have fantastic support from local foundations like the Ingolstadt Foundation to underwrite all of the work that Grant Lab is doing. And so to date, we've not billed any partners for any bit of work. Um, that includes workshops. Uh, you know, we're running this great summer series of workshops, or I should say we ran this great summer series of workshops around all things budgeting and accounting and reporting and performance tracking that was taught by experts. Participation in those workshops and utilization of the resource guides that we created around those have all been underwritten by private donors. All of the technical assistance work we've done so far has all been underwritten. As we look out to the future and we overcome or we get hopefully finally through this pandemic and back to a place that looks like the new normal for all of us, we'll probably consider 
how organizations can financially participate in the work we're doing. But as of now, we're fortunate to have private philanthropy underwrite all of that work. And you know, they have to be happy when you've been around for 18 months, did you say 18 months? And you've already raised $24 million to into the community from federal funding, new federal funding, that's amazing. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's we're, we're both very proud and also feel like I think we're scratching the surface. You know, the reality is, is that, you know, when we talk about federal funding, we talk about it sometimes from a numbers perspective, right? So Nevada is 45th in the nation, according to the Gwynn Center for Policy Priorities, most recent study of this issue. We're 45th in the nation in terms of per capita federal grant funding. That places us almost $800 off per person per year just from the national average. But in a state that leads the country in the same risk factors or the same criterion that often drive federal funding, we think the lost revenue to the state of Nevada exceeds a half a billion dollars every single year. And so on one hand, we're really proud about $24 million of additional funding coming to the state. And on the other hand, we know we are just barely scratching the surface of what it means to really solve this problem. That's good. I like that the opportunity, you know, you can see the opportunity kind of out in the future and knowing that, that you're on your way there, but you're not there yet. That's a good place to be in. So, so let's get into the question then. So, th- this, you know, when this question came in, Stacey and I immediately thought we knew exactly what a guest expert we we're going to bring on for it. So here's the question, just to refresh. I keep hearing from other nonprofits how much government grant money is coming down the pipeline. Our organization has never applied for government grants, and we also don't want to lose out on what sounds like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Does it make sense to pursue these opportunities if you qualify? And what should we be aware of going into it? Well, so let me take this in a few pieces and first say... It's like uh, a bunch of questions piled together, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But but it's all right. It's a great series of questions. And let me first say, I'm not sure that the right way to look at COVID is is a once in a lifetime opportunity for federal funding. On one hand, um, we know that there's going to be more money as a result of CARES or WAS. There's more money as a result of ARPA. DC looks like it's poised to pass another large spending package sometime in the next six months. So on one hand, there's more money in the system than there ever has been, and therefore there's more opportunity for nonprofits and so many others uh, to access funding, maybe in a way they haven't before. Having said that, every single year outside of crises, the federal government distributes $800 billion in federal grants. And so I I don't want to, I hope that folks don't look at federal funding as a crisis related um, or crisis exclusive revenue opportunity for their organizations. One, because I think there is every single day, every single year, federal funding opportunities that our community organizations and governments can and should be participating in that they aren't right now. And the other reason I say that is, There's a lot going on right now. And I think, frankly, from an administration standpoint at the local and state level, people are still very much figuring out how to run ARPA programs. And I think it's important for especially nonprofits to not feel the pressure to go chase money if you're you're genuinely not ready for it. Um, This isn't the only chance you're ever going to have to get into federal funding streams. I promise. There's a lot of opportunity every single year that exists. And you're better to wait for the moment where you're ready and you really see a funding opportunity that makes sense for your organization than to jump into a space. And again, I'd say so much 
uh, so much uh, deference and appreciation to my colleagues and my former colleagues in government. Uh, I know how hard this would be to be doing if I were in your shoes. Um, and I would just say so many folks are still figuring out how to administer ARPA, um, both at the local and state level. And it's really tough, I think, as a, especially maybe a small organization to make a big commitment to federal funding when you're not entirely yet clear on what's expected of you. And by the way, I tell you the same thing for a major gift from a private donor. It's a lot easier as an organization to be able to manage uh, and succeed if you know what the what's expected of you. And I think in many ways, we still don't know what those answers are yet here. Yeah, and part of it, especially with the, the funding that came recently, is it was for very specific things in some cases. Um, something like rental assistance, right? And and you would see organizations that would stretch to try to, to you know, they, they felt like it's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And so they needed to stretch to try to get that and then found out that they couldn't perform because you know, they didn't have the cash flow for it. There's no line of credit to be able to, you know, spend because a lot of these are reimbursement grants, right? You have to have the money beforehand to be able to spend it and you ask for reimbursement. But if you don't have the money to begin with, you can't disperse it at all. And then you never get reimbursed for it. And, and at the end of the day, that turns out to be like a failure, right? This are the, the people that you received the money from said, yeah, we gave money to them and they couldn't perform. So the next time we're going to think twice about giving the money. Yeah. And you raise, I think, one of the key issues from, a, from certainly a functional uh, perspective for an organization before they go into public funding is a lot of public grants, um, even outside of COVID and crisis money, is reimbursement basis. And so as an organization, if you are not in a place where you have either a strong balance sheet, a, you know, the ability, a line of credit, um, you know, bridge financing, some sort or a combination of mechanisms that can help make sure that in the event you don't get reimbursed for a large, you know, monthly bill, that you don't find yourself unable to pay salary or unable to keep the lights on. So while we, we hope to see reimbursement processed in 60, 90, you know, even 120 days sometimes, it doesn't happen. It takes longer in some cases. It shouldn't, but it does. And so I think you're raising a really key issue, Andy, for all organizations to be cognizant of is uh, making sure that you can manage the cash flow. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a, every once in a while, we, as we're talking, we, we think of like, if you have a question about, this is a good podcast question. So if you're curious about ways to manage cash flow or how you would manage that situation, um, go ahead and send us that question and we'll get somebody to answer it for you. <laughs> but so, so for this one, one of the things about, um, about like CARES Act funding and rescue plan funding, things like that. One of the things we noticed that, and I think you noticed it too, I'm sure was that organizations that didn't typically get haven't gotten federal grants before. They were completely new to federal grants. We're receiving federal grants. And the, the sense was is that this is kind of your sort of your foot in the door if you can perform. Like if you can take money and you can do exactly what the what the grantor wants you to do with it, you do put yourself in the position of maybe getting repeat funding later once you've shown that you're capable of doing it. Does that do you think that's a would be a good reason to maybe stick your neck out for something that that you wouldn't normally go, you know, if it's outside of your current budget and it's an opportunity, would that be a reason do you think you should go for that opportunity? You know, I'd start with a, with considering does the funding opportunity clearly align with our mission or our strategic plan, right? Can we draw a bright line between this funding opportunity 
and the work we do every day or the, the work we're pursuing doing, the missions and the outcomes, right? So I think that's threshold number one. Um, I think the second part of that I look at is, do we have a track record of successfully performing the work that's being asked for, right? So in the case of rental assistance, have we been in the rental assistance space before? Can we prove a successful track record? Alternatively, if it's your first federal grant application or award, or you're applying for a new program, which sometimes is the case, right? So rental assistance we didn't need at the scale we needed last you know, May, then we never needed that before. So most folks were stepping into a new space. So in that case, do you have a successful track record for designing and implementing and quickly scaling programs? You know, if you don't have a bright line to draw between the funding opportunity and your strategic plan, your mission, the work you're doing every day, and you can't stand on a track record either of past performance of this work or even past performance and being able to build a new program and scale it quickly, um, you know, whether it's, especially if it's government funding, but, you know, even in private funding, I'd encourage anybody to think really carefully if this is the right opportunity. Having said all that, sure, just like any other funding stream, private and public, you know, um, organizations, whether you're governments or foundations, are going to be more inclined to do business with partners that they know can deliver. So many start with a smaller grant, again, public or private. You may start with a smaller grant. You may prove your performance. You may demonstrate to them that you're, the, you're a great or maybe even the best partner in a certain workspace, and they'll want to keep working with you. So I see that opportunity, but I wouldn't let that get in front of those base considerations of, does the funding opportunity align with the work we do? Do we have a successful track record in doing this work? Can we prove it? Or if it's a new program or our first application, do we have a clear track record for designing and implementing programs? If you can't yeah. answer yes on those things, I think real carefully about pursuing it. That's like the one of the, the, the one piece of advice that you wish everyone would follow all the time, which is don't chase money. Just because it's out there doesn't mean that you should go after it. <laughs> like your, yeah. your points on being able to perform and mission alignment are, are you know, your words to God's ear, right? Right. But you know what, let me double down on that and say, I think we often as both as a nonprofit ourselves in my past work, I often hear people say, don't chase the money. And then I also think, but how are we going to make payroll in 90 days? <laughs> so I do think it's a double edged sword. I'll say that the thing about federal funding is that it's out there all the time. I know that there's so much extra conversation. And indeed, we created Grant Lab right around this time for a reason. Um, there is so much more conversation about federal funding. There is a sense of urgency, I think, in many ways that's artificial for organizations to step in the space, step into federal grants for the first time. And I just tell folks, it, I, I'm welcome. We want to get you on the water. Nevada is going to be better when more organizations receive more funding more consistently, more, more, and more. But it doesn't all have to happen right now. And in fact, there may be reasons for some organizations to hang tight and wait for those federal funding opportunities that are annual. So many programs happen every single year. You can plan around them. You can build capacity. You can build your application. And maybe 2022 or 2023 is the year to focus on. That's a, a really good point. Like just because it feels like the floodgates opened uh, because of COVID, it it doesn't mean that that's your only opportunity to to get a grant. And some of these some of these grants you're talking about that are multi year grants 
provide a lot more opportunity to do something more significant as well, right? So it's not a, you know, you have to spend this money by December 31st because we're trying to fix an emergency. It's more like, let's look at some systemic issues, something larger that we can solve and spend two or three years on a larger program that has a more significant long-term impact than just like, let's put the fire out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a there's a local organization that um, probably from a budget standpoint still is, you know, medium to medium large. And it's been in existence for, I want to say, seven or eight years now. And pre-COVID, they started working on a federal grant application. They knew what application they wanted to go after. They did their research. They found a grant writer who really understands that work. And they spent almost a year building their application and the partnerships, right? Because so many federal grants require some level of coordination, partnership, shared service delivery, et cetera. They spent a year building that application, building the partnerships, helping people understand what they were going after, how it would work, et cetera. And it was just perfectly aligned with who they were, where they're going as an organization. They have the capacity to administer it. Um, and ultimately, it ended up being, I think it was a $23 million federal award. It's over five years, so you know a little more than $4 million per year. But it's this massive federal grant that no one in Nevada has won before. I don't even know if anyone's applied for it before. But it's out there. And every single year, six to eight states win it. We won it last year. And it was a year of work to get there. And so, again, I just say, you know, federal funding is out there every single year, hundreds of millions of dollars that Nevada is foregoing in revenue. And I understand the, the crunch for folks to say, oh, my gosh, this, the state has, you know, $2.7 billion and we just need $400,000 to do this thing. I get the crunch. But um, what's happening right now with emergency aid that I think folks really need to, to understand and think about is unlike a federal grant where that organization I just mentioned, it looked at it, it could look at the 2020 version, it could look at the 2019 version, the 2018 version, you know, federal grants can be, you know, short ones, 15, 20 pages, a long one, the application may be 100 pages. In a federal grant, you usually know exactly what you're getting into. There's no shortage of legalese, there's no shortage of description usually. When we move over to emergency aid and we think about the purpose of emergency aid, it's because there's things that we need to do as a community and as a country today that we didn't need to do two years ago, whether it's rapid testing, PPE, thinking about access to childcare, which we should have always been doing, but now have an urgency and a priority to do it in a way that we've never done it, right? A lot of this is new. And so for organizations feeling the pressure, I would just say it's a wonderful opportunity. Think very carefully uh, about getting into federal funding. If you see that sight line between a funding opportunity and your mission, and your plan and your track records for performance and all of those other attributes, but don't think it's your only time. There's going to be lots of opportunity in the years to come. Don't get swept up uh, in the floodgates that you mentioned, Andy. So how, how would... What's the best way for an organization to find out what kinds of things are out there? Is there a, a like a common source for that, or is it, you just have to kind of know where to look? You know, unfortunately, right now here in Nevada, there's not a common source. Um, so many uh, states and communities across the country have recognized that finding federal funding, um, including direct from the feds as well as passed through through state and local governments, is a huge challenge for nonprofits. 
I think here again in Nevada, we're just behind the eight ball. Uh, we haven't kept up with that sort of innovation. And so right now, if you're a nonprofit in California, you can go to a website that the, Cal- the state of California hosts that helps you as a regional nonprofit, maybe working in multiple different service areas, understand what funding is available from municipalities and across state agencies. So kind of the way that we, many of us go to grants.gov to look for federal opportunities. So direct from the feds to a nonprofit, grants.gov is the best source. But unfortunately, the state of Nevada doesn't have a single repository where you can learn about funding that's available uh, from state agencies. That in our view is both a big challenge and a big opportunity to address. I think when we come down to a local uh, level, it gets even more scattered. So picture a regional organization that may be working in multiple cities. So you're working in the city of Las Vegas, the city of Henderson, North Las Vegas, and the county. You're providing services across a range of issues. Maybe you're in housing, you're education, you're in healthcare. If you are that organization, you are going to four different local governments to track their funding opportunities. In some cases, those local governments may operate those funding opportunities from multiple offices. So now you're going to one government plus two of their offices. You go up to the state level. You're now running four different state agencies. You're following four state agencies. Some of those state agencies have multiple offices to deal with their different funding streams, right? So now I'm a regional entity and I've got 12, 14, 16 different places that I'm supposed to track just here in Nevada many folks give up. And so I'm really sorry to say that at the moment, there isn't a single source of information for funding from Nevada local governments and state governments. There is a single source if you're looking directly for feds, it's grants.gov. And you can be part of the solution for pushing and advocating for a local and state database. Talk to your city councilor, talk to your county commissioner, talk to your state uh, assembly person, your state senator, talk to a constitutional officer, you can tell them what a challenge it is to find funding for your organization as it exists today. And you'd love to be part of the solution to help streamline that. So many other communities and states have done this. We can do it here too. We just have to get to work. That's fantastic. I I think it's funny that about 20% of our listeners are actually from Nevada and the other 80% are laughing right now. (laughs) that's a i think that's a good a good point that like talking to talking to people and and, but because it's it's a good conversation to have with them because you're not asking them for funding you're telling them i would i would like us to be able to access federal funds through your agency through the county and the only way i can do that is to find out what's available because most of the money is passed through from the federal government anyway right it doesn't necessarily start here. It's not like you're asking for something. You're asking for them to help you make the community better. I think that that's a really easy ask. Yeah, absolutely. And so I would say um, one thing that's an amazing asset. So I will go toe to toe with your 80% out of Nevada over our federal delegation. I've got to say Nevada's got a fantastic federal delegation. Every member in Congress that represents the state that I've talked to over the years wants to help organizations nonprofits especially, find the funding to do the work they do to benefit the Nevadans. They're great partners. So definitely develop a relationship with your federal uh, delegation office, the congresswoman who represents you and your constituents, both the senators, 
Um, and when I say develop a relationship, I don't mean call them and say, where can I get my money? Don't call them in the day before your application is due and ask them to give you a letter of support. Go and talk to them and ask them how you can work together to find funding and also support other organizations to find funding too. One of the key opportunities is that while a grant application may not be right for your organization to be the prime recipient of, you may be able to play a perfect role as a subawardee to someone else's application. So as you think about and you review federal grant opportunities, whether they're passed through the state or local governments or directly to the feds, don't just think about, can we be the applicants? Think about, can we be part of this work and who would be the best applicant? Reach out to those organizations. Here at Grant Lab, we often find uh, as we send funding opportunity announcements to organizations, they didn't even know it was out there. They didn't realize they were eligible. Maybe they heard about it five years ago and the rules were different for eligibility. The program requirements were different. And because it's the same grant name, they don't look at it every single year to know that the program's actually changed. So be sure to, to not just think about, are we the right applicant or can we apply? Think about who else can apply. And I encourage you, reach out to your colleagues in local government and other nonprofits and say, hey, Andy, did you see this grant? This looks like what you all do. If you apply, we'd love to help, you know, we'd love to be part of the application and we can even, you know, help support it in the following ways. So really think about this as a team sport. That's what federal funding is about. This is not organization by organization. We all have to be in this work together. That's a, that's a really good point. You know, and when you, you think about like major theories of change to the, especially like in the human services space, like everything's connected to everything else. So, so hunger is connected to homelessness, which is connected to education, which is connected to mental health, which is right. It's all, it's all put together um, and understanding. Like, I, I mean, I love, I love the idea of, of if you notice something and it wouldn't be good for you, but it would be good for somebody that's adjacent to you, like reaching out to them and saying you can help because all, we all know that grantors really like it when they get joint applications is they like to see organizations working together to solve a problem by like pooling resources and, and attacking it from multiple different angles at once. I think that's a, I think it's a really good point. Yeah. You know, and, and to the federal government's credit, especially in the early 2000s uh, or pardon me, the early 2010s, we started seeing more and more federal grant applications require partnerships very explicitly. Not we're encouraging collaboration. Please work with other people. We hope that works out well for you all but very specifically as a um, requirement in two different places we see it, or I guess even three different places we see it, many federal grants is one in your program implementation plan. So very specifically being able to map out, here are the partners, here's everybody's responsibility, here's even a contingency of one partner, something happens to, and that organization say it closes down. The feds from a program plan implementation standpoint are looking for very clear specificity around who are you working with? What are they doing? What are they accountable for? And then the second part of that equation is the budget. If that program plan implementation that says Andy and Miles are gonna do this project together and say Andy is the lead applicant and Andy submits a budget and says, uh, you know, submits an application says, Miles and I are going to do this program together. Miles is doing this half and I'm doing this half. And then Andy's budget is 100% to Andy. The feds are going to realize that. The application reviewer is going to look at it. They're going to score you down in both sections and you won't win the grant. 
So the feds are not just encouraging applications that are collaborative. They aren't just encouraging community partnerships. They are increasingly requiring it and they're scoring it in multiple aspects of different applications. It's good to know. So, so let's get, before we run out of time, let's get into the last piece of the, the listener question too, which is what should an organization be if, you know, I think you've convinced everybody that they need to look for federal grants, right? What should they be aware of going into it? What the, should they know before they decide to pull the trigger on, on, on filling out an application? Sure. So I think that there's the straightforward pieces, right? Read the grant application, really take the time to understand what it's looking for. Um, do you do the programs that the application seeks to fund? Um, again, you know, do you have a track record for it? Does it align with your mission, your strategic plan, et cetera? So I think that's a maybe pass one. Um, the second key part of this is many applications are requiring, especially again, since that same kind of wave of more collaboration, we also see more and more focus on community needs assessment and community engagement work. So has your organization done the requisite community needs assessment? So does it have a white paper? Has it done um, the appropriate data and analytics to understand uh, there is actually a need? I know we all think there is a need for what we do. I get it. But have you documented it? Do you have the white paper? Who is it written by? Did you write about the program that you need? That may not be so compelling. So really looking at the application and understanding do we have the required submission documents? Do we have the community needs assessment? Do we have a, you know, evidence-based uh, practices and policies? Can we align with that? Um, do we have the match funding? So many federal grants may require, you know, maybe a one-to-one, -one, but much more often a uh, feds will be in for, call it four or five uh, for every one of your dollars. So do you have the match? So basic requirements of can we press submit 30 or 60 days from now? I think some of the more... Um, important things are the less obvious ones. They're the ones that the application doesn't ask you about. I think the most important one is, is there buy-in across the organization to pursue the grant opportunity? Not just the money part, but is there an understanding and commitment to do the work, to track the work, to report on the work, to manage the cash and the personnel that it takes to do it? So what we're really looking for in an organization that is quote unquote ready and competitive is not just programmatic quality, not just a great application, but your program staff, to your fiscal department, to your CEO and board, everybody needs to agree, this is a good opportunity. And when one of those uh, partners in that process is missing, I can tell you the story probably won't end well. So I think that's some of the most important stuff to think about. Okay, so so in your in your last answer, you just mentioned like, like how do we know we're, we're competitive? Like what... What, um, what should an organization do really to, to, to know whether or not they're going to be competitive for a grant? So one of the first things I look at when I look at a funding opportunity announcement is the number of expected awards. Um, and so what I usually look for is, uh, is, it a, is it a new federal grant program that's a competitive grant program? There's only going to be five awards in the whole country. What that signals to me is if I'm going to win this, that's an assertion that I am one of the best of the five providers in this work in the entire country. Maybe that's true. Maybe I want to take a shot at the application and, and try and see I can get feedback. But one of the things I think a lot about is the level of competitiveness, especially for those competitive awards. So alternatively, 
if I look and there's an estimated 250 awards around the country, usually what I think about is, okay, let's say that they're the feds and they often do, will want some level of equitable distribution around grants. So if there's 250 awards, Nevada's got to be in line for at least a handful of them, right? So are there other organizations in the state that are going to apply for this application? Are they doing the same thing I'm doing? Or am I literally one of the one or two or three organizations that do this work in the whole state? So I look at it really from a competitive lens, which is if there's 250 awards and I'm the only or I'm one of the very few organizations in the whole state that does this work that's going to apply, as long as I feel like I can put together a really solid application, I'm going to apply for it. And of course, I'm ready for federal funding and all those other things we talked about today. But I look at it from that standpoint. On the other side of the spectrum, if there's five awards and I'm new to federal funding, this isn't the first one for me to take a swing at. That just is, those odds aren't in my favor, but it's going to take me just as much time and just as much effort, unfortunately, to write a losing application. So <laughs> I probably would pass on that one. That's a, I think that, that brings up another question. It's like, so one of the, one of the things you might hear a board member say, or you know, so like when I, at, at one of my previous organizations, I was known as Mr. No, because I would just say no to everything because it sounded like a lot of work and I'm fundamentally lazy. So if like, so what's the, what's the, the case for pursuing federal funding. It's a lot of work. There's, you know, you have to do a, if you get enough money, you have to do a single audit at the end of it. You have to do all this extra reporting. It seems like, it seems like an awful lot of work. So what's the, what's the case to convince somebody like me that it's, it's actually worth the effort? Well, I, so I'm a third generation of Baden. And so I love a good odds game and number conversation. So let me pause on that for a second and talk about the policy side. And then we'll get to how do, we, how do we think about the investment as an organization. So first and foremost, I think it's so important for all of us to understand that federal funding plays a vital role in building resilient, inclusive communities and economies throughout this country. But unfortunately, not so much in Nevada. For decades, we've consistently been awarded among the lowest amounts of federal grant funding in the, fun grant funding in the country, despite having some of the highest need. You know, in fact, Nevada ranks 45th nationally in federal grants right now. That's 45th in per capita federal funding, despite having some of the highest need in the country. We forgo more than a half a billion dollars annually in revenue to local governments, state agencies, and nonprofits that they could be spending on things like education and healthcare and affordable housing and basic services and uh, workforce and economic development and so on. And so in a state that so often talks about not having the amount of resources we need to make a debt these big problems, it makes no sense for us to sit on the sidelines of federal funding. Having said that, if I'm an organization, especially a smaller or medium-sized organization, and I'm thinking about what's it take to get federal grant funding, oh, I'm going to have to spend maybe $5,000 hiring a contract writer, maybe more. Oh, I've got to think about having somebody who can do the audit work or manage the cash. I get it. It can feel overwhelming. That's a big part of why we created Nevada Grant Lab, especially for those organizations that are doing work that's eligible and competitive for federal aid, but maybe they just have a resource gap to getting there. So we want to find you. We want you to find us. We want to partner with you. Uh, and we'd really like to figure out a way to underwrite or help you cover that resource gap by providing you a grant writer, maybe in kind or an analyst or a budget, uh, some assistance building a budget. So I get it for the small and medium-sized organizations. 
um, for organizations that are in that are growing their federal grant pipeline. I think it's important to recognize public funding, whether it's from local government, state governments, or federal government, or pass through um, a federal all the way down. It's a critical part of organizations' revenues. So, like I was saying earlier, when we think about the importance of federal funding in the country, federal funding pays a large share of affordable housing, right? Federal funding plays a pays and plays a critical role in workforce development. We have to find a way as an organ as as organizations and a community in the state to really build our ability to build that revenue. So, said another way, all those organizations out there that have two events coordinators and a contractor for your special events and a marketing firm, and you're shaking the trees looking for food and beverage and event space donation. I can tell you the rate of return on a gala versus a really good federal grant program doesn't even compare. Invest in federal grants. Those dollars are significant. They're reliable. And best news, when you write a federal grant and you win one, you know exactly what's expected of you. So it, yes, it takes an investment, but I can tell you from a rate of return you know, it, there's nothing beats uh, getting into the flow of federal dollars. That is a scale issue, though. If you do just one, will you come up on top? Maybe not. But one leads to two, and two can lead to four, and four leads to eight. And before you know it, you may actually be less reliant on that gala that you do every year. I think, Miles, you're like, you're like reading my mind. <laughs> it's like, you know that galas are possibly my least favorite thing <laughs> and we've got oh we've my got gosh Stacy and I have a history on this show of like completely railing on galas and then having you know getting angry phone calls about it so I'm, I'm glad you're on our team well you you can count <laughs> me on your team and for those of you that want to add someone else to the list of frustrated emails you can catch me I'm miles at nevadagrantlab.org and I really want to talk about how through the pandemic, one of the few things that managed to survive are galas. <laughs> how in a world of change, everyone's <laughs> working from home, people gave up their offices, we're doing brand new work, new funding sources, but you all had to keep the gala. I want to talk about it. Feel free to email me. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, so other than emailing you, how do so how do people get in contact if they want services from Nevada Grant Lab? What's the best way to reach out? Your email or is there a website we should? There's a website right now. We're www.nevada all spelled out grantlab.org. www.nevadagrantlab.org. We'd love to talk with you. Um, like I said earlier. We're still in building mode. Initially, we started this with a, a modest investment and piloted it in our first year. I'm really excited to say we're going to continue down the road for the next five years, significantly scale up, and really so much gratitude to our funders, including the Ingolstadt Foundation, for making this work possible. Um, we're excited to work with a growing number of partners across our community and across the state. Um, and yeah, we're, we're looking forward to finally... Um, turning the trend line on Nevada's historical underperformance in federal funding. And when we do, all of the organizations listening, or most of them, I should say, uh, will have more resources to do the work that we all know needs to get done. That's fantastic. So we'll, we'll put the contact information in the show notes. So just in case you didn't 
try to crash your car while you're writing that down so you can look for it later at nonprofiteverything.com. Miles, thank you so much for joining us today. This was incredibly informative. Thanks for having me, Andy. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening today. We really appreciate it. If you wouldn't mind, if you had any questions that this brought up, go ahead and shoot those to us so that we can keep this podcast rolling. Um, as mentioned before, the podcast is a production of the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits, who has a conference coming up pretty soon. So check out the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits webpage. It's allianceforNevadaNonprofits.com. Or also there's information in our show notes. So if you go to nonprofiteverything.com, there's information about the conference there as well. So check them out. If you're not a member, that's a really, that's one of the best ways to support the podcast because we do this on behalf of the Alliance um, to kind of help capacity building and help the nonprofit sector in Nevada get better and better as we go. And with that, we will see you in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.